Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, and trust me, there's a lot of it. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's actually a thing. We've worked as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our lifetimes. When it comes to teens, we've seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. The good news is that we speak teen. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, Kathy, hello. Good morning. Hi, Meredith. Hello. Hello, my friends. How are we doing? Fabulous. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you as per usual. Um, Okay, Kathy, I'm so excited because today we're talking about something that I know you and I both love to talk about and is very timely (laughs) as especially for those juniors who are starting this college process in earnest. So I want to talk today about how students who are embarking on the college process can build a good list, build an effective list. What does that even mean? What are some do's and don'ts? And I thought we could start with some horror stories that we both had about students we've worked with and their lists, but also some like wonderful good stories, good stories. So I'm going to start first with a horror story. Is that cool? Absolutely. Okay. This is a big, for everyone listening, don't do any of the things I'm about to say. Um, Okay. So I was working with a student and I have so many of these stories. Me too. I was working with a student. This was... This was now, I know, we could fill an yep. entire hour of just stories. stories. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, this was probably five or six years ago. And I was working with a student um, beginning in the fall of their junior year. And we did all the things, right? You know, we talked about building a good list. We talked about how to research schools appropriately, you know, all the stuff that normally works. And this student was really just from the jump, from day one, was really fixated on a certain selectivity of school, really highly selective schools. And by that, folks, I mean any school that admits less than 20% of the students apply, pretty darn selective. Any school that admits less than like, say, 15% of the school kids that apply, really selective. But now we're talking about a student who was looking at schools that were admitting less than 10% of the students who apply. And that was his whole list. He wanted that from the very beginning. I thought, well, okay, here's the reality. And we went through all of the scenarios of how that could work out. And this student just really had a fixed mindset throughout the process. And when I had a meeting, a family meeting with the parents and the parents came in and I I sort of shared my concerns about the way I thought this list was sort of taking shape. I then quickly learned that, oh, I see this is a family. (laughs) This is a family perspective. So the, the parents were putting a lot of pressure on the student to apply to a certain set of schools. They themselves had gone to very highly selective schools that were much less selective, by the way, when they applied in the 70s and 80s. A super common mistake we see. So common. So common. have lost perspective, right? (laughs) Parents. Well, it's it's harder. It's so, and it's exponentially harder. That's the, anyways, sorry to interrupt, but I think it's an important point to emphasize. No, it's totally fine. So many parents that we, I talk to and we talk to, think that schools, like I talked to a parent last night who were like, I use the UCs as my safety schools. And I was like, 
not anymore. Not even close. Uh, and not no, even don't. Riverside. Yeah, nice like not even, sorry, we see Riverside, but like no, no not even Riverside. Riverside. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just changed so drastically that I think parents, you know, it's good. This is a yeah, and, and so, so quickly, quickly. It's, it's important for parents to do their education and really understand how school, how much schools have changed in their for school sure. activity. Okay, but back to my story because it's so important. Sorry, because, back to your story. Um, so this whole process. So months we were in this sort of like. I was challenged to kind of get this family to see things in a, from a different angle. And there was just sort of at like total refusal to do so. So come fall of senior year, this child applies, he puts together this list uh, many points along the way. I said, this is not a good idea. This is not going to work out well, you know, cause you and I have been in the game a minute. Like we can with, we don't have a crystal ball, but we can with some degree of regularity do a pretty good job of reading the tea leaves here and knowing where things are going to land. So sure enough, this mm-hmm. student had about what nine, what I would call highly rejectives, and we'll talk about that. Um, so very, very far reach schools on his list and about one school that was a likely option, kind of. And I was even nervous about the likely option. Um, and he got denied from all of his early schools. There were a couple schools to which he applied early. And sometimes that's a, actually a really good moment for us as college counselors because we can reorient, right? We have enough time to submit regular decision applications, make adjustments to the list, make it more balanced. So I thought, surely once he gets these rejections, he'll change his mind. He'll recognize the need to create more balance in his list. And I was totally wrong. The student kind of just doubled down. He was like, well, (laughs) you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to apply to more reach schools. Apply to more. (laughs) I'm just going to add more schools to my list. And I thought, I knew that. I I knew that was coming. That is not how statistics works. That's not it. So he did that despite my, you know, my protests, family totally supported him. I couldn't get through to them either. And lo and behold, come the spring, when decisions are released, this child got denied from every single school, but that likely possible school that he did not like, and they were miserable. And then, you know, and then kind of had the, the audacity to sort of feign surprise. And, and that's the part that I think is always so fascinating to me is, is the ways in which folks can sometimes not be in touch with the reality of the selectivity of this process. And so what was so unfortunate was that here the student had put in all this energy and effort because he did put a lot of work into the process and felt very beaten up by the process. But there were also so many moments along the way where myself and the other college counselor who worked at the school where I worked also chimed in with so many opportunities for him to do a better job in building a list and he chose not to, and it worked out really badly. So that's my horror story. Don't do that. If you're listening It's bad. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to cause a lot of stress. Yeah. And what I would say is like, when I listen to you tell the story, like I can hear your frustration even now (laughs) with, you know, how this all, yeah. How this all went down. And I think that it's so important because, you know, you and I worked in, really, really rigorous kind of Very selective high schools, octane yeah. selective prep schools. Right. So yeah, what, what you see, like what I've heard from parents on the pushback, like when the college counselor at the school pushes back, I hear like, you don't believe in my kid. Right. You know, we think that they, he can aim really high or she, or, you know, whoever, right. but the reality is that, and I think this is, you know, this, our podcast is all about reality checks. And what I think parents lose sight of is like, as special as you think your kid is, and as much as 
they are doing and doing all the right things, there are thousands of kids exactly like your kid. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Harvard doesn't have over... any spots in the freshman class. <laughs> colleague once and I really like the way they framed this. We were at we were at some I don't even remember this was years ago. We were at some parent event and they said, you know, just remember there's over ten thousand high schools in the country. That means public high schools. That means there's over ten thousand valedictorians. There's over yep. ten thousand you know, there's class. tens yep. of thousands of students who have straight A's who have the hardest curriculum in their in their class. So when when a college counselor says your list is unbalanced, it's not personal. No, it's not and it it's not saying that you haven't worked hard or you're not a good kid or you haven't done good things or that you we don't believe in your ability to land. You have to remember that there's this whole machine of enrollment management and admission, and it, there's simply it's not enough room for all of the quote-unquote qualified students who apply to highly selective schools. And, and that's just something that is is a real part of the process. Yeah, and I think it's, I want to say like, it's actually like the pushback that you hear on list from uh, people who are helping you actually it's coming from like a loving and caring place, right? Because we actually want what's best for your kids. We want them to have options at the end of the process. 100%. Right. Like we want them to have a few schools to choose from. And for you and I, it's also coming from experience. You know, we've worked on the other side of the desk. We've admitted students and denied a lot more than we've admitted. So I think that's the other piece to kind of trust the expertise. Right. Absolutely. So I'll tell, I'll tell a good story. I have, I have, a, I have many good stories, Yay. just as many bad stories I have as just as many good stories. And I think that there's a common theme with all of the good stories. So I had, uh, I remember a student many years ago who was at my highly rigorous prep school, you know, middling. So middle of the class, not knocking it out of the ballpark, but also not struggling, but doing just fine. And a mm-hmm. uh, wonderful athlete, not recruitable, but you know, and just everybody loved her. She was a nice person. She was friendly, outgoing, happy. And, you know, I remember having the college counseling meeting with her and her family and her parents were like, oh yeah, we love, we'd love her to go to any of the schools that are on her list. The list is great. I was like, the likelies, we like the likelies, we like the targets, the reaches are stretches. We know that, but that's fine. You know, we're super happy with all of her options. Mm -hmm. And if she gets in early to this likely school, she might actually go there. And I was like, I love this family <laughs> because, yep. you know, yeah. they just took the pressure off completely. Yeah. And it my, my other good story happened just last year with a student who was high. She was very, she was ended up being one of the, valedictor- the valedictorians at her school and super high achieving. But she was like, we, when we first had our conversation about Liz, she was like, oh yeah, uh, here's the school that I really like. And I'm, and I think I would totally go to school here. And I was like, great. Cause it's a likely for you. And she's like, it is. <laughs> and I was like, it sure is. And she was like, awesome. Right. Like, yeah, great. That takes off the pressure. That's not to say she wasn't stressed out by the process. Sure. It was, it's still stressful for other reasons, Sure, but I felt good about her list because I was like, great. You know what? Like you're home free because you've got a likely that you love. Right. And you, I know you're getting in there and she did get in there and she was psyched about it. You know what I love about that? The, both of those stories is I, it, it sort of underscores two important reminders. I think for folks who are thinking for students who are building their list and for parents and supporting students who are doing that one is to, is think of your list horizontally, not vertically. Totally. So it's not as if your reach schools are 
are the most important. You want to sort of really recognize right. this as a spectrum where all of the schools have the sort of essential qualities and characteristics that the student is looking for. Just so happens that some are a little bit more selective than others, but they all have some common denominators. So I know a good list when I look at a list and I can say, oh yeah, I get it. This There's thematic consistency between your list, right? Right. And the other thing I would say is it's so important to remember that just because a school has a lower admit rate, a, a higher selectivity rate doesn't equal a better school. A quote unquote better school is the one that met, best meets your child's needs socially, academically, environmentally. And there's uh, what, over 4,000 four year colleges and in, in, in universities in the country? I'm pretty sure we'll be able to land on, you know, 12 that, to apply to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that match. Well, those, I think, those you know, needs. we get stuck on, I mean, I think that, you know, in the rarefied air that we oftentimes live in, I think that parents really get stuck on, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I get the impulse to do it because I'm not immune to it either. You know, like, I, I understand the impulse sure. to want your kids to go to a brand name school, you know, like they're going to have a better job. They're going to have better opportunities. They're going to have better social circle, you know, all of this better network, you know, all of that stuff comes into play. That's the rationale we hear a lot. Right. And there's very little evidence. Like when you look at people who've actually done research on this work, that there's very little evidence that supports this belief, but it's in the air. And it's in the water that we, it's in the, it's in the Kool-Aid that we're all drinking around the college process. So I think this is all to say, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest do's that I think both Meredith and I can agree on is that you've got to, number one, you've got to think about the fit. What, what is the right fit? And then from there, you do have to do Mm -hmm. your research, right? And the only way that you're going to like your likely is Mm -hmm. if you go look at it. Kids oftentimes on their college tour, and I think this is a huge mistake, Right. the first college tour that they go on, they go to Boston and they see MIT, Harvard, and, and Tufts, and BC. And they're like, okay, that's enough. And I'm like, uh, actually, you just picked a actually, lot of sir, really- man. <laughs> Those are really selective schools, right? Like, yeah. could you could you go see Northeastern too? Or, you know, uh, Boston University, which actually yeah, Boston University is Emerson. Just Emerson. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. Boston, Boston University, totally. by the way, I shouldn't put that on. I mean, they're super selective now too. I was going to say Northeastern BU, also yeah. not easy yeah, to get also into. Also not easy to get into anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> like it really isn't like, so, you know, anyways, my, my point being like, your kids are never going to fall in love with the likely, and you're not going to fall in, with, fall in love with the likely if you don't actually go see it. So please, yeah. please, please, yeah. for the college Research, tour, visit. and don't start with the highly rejectives because they have admission rates, single digit admission rates, like mm, your kid's probably not getting in there. Sorry, I mean, I, that's when harsh, you, but yeah. it's probably not going to happen. Statistically speaking, it's probably it's not about your kids. Statistically yeah, speaking, exactly. Yeah. They're probably not exactly. Yeah. And I think what you're underscoring in all of these dues is, you know, can be sort of traced back to mindset. You know, that it is so essential to check your bias and keep an open mind when your child is approaching this process. Now, parents, some of what that means for you is keeping your mouth shut. I mean, yes. to be perfectly honest, you're yep. going to have a lot of opinions about places. You might, those opinions might be 
viewed through the filtration system of like what you knew about that school when you were looking at colleges. So that information is likely very out of date. Um, and again, I, you know, I'm not saying this to be harsh. I'm not saying this to say that your opinion isn't important. Um, certainly if you have like certain expectations, it's, you know, Kathy and I would always say like, get those out, communicate those early in the process, but recognize that the processes that end well are when students approach it with an open mind are authentic and they're able to really discover, you know, students who are just starting the process, they don't know what they want yet. They have to kind of expose themselves to different things a little bit before they can start to really hone in on the qualities and characteristics of the college that they're after. So if you interrupt that process prematurely by inserting your own two cents kind of constantly, it's, it's just going to make an already kind of tricky process harder, much harder. So this is one of those sit on your hands moments, my friends. Absolutely. And, And your, your kids are so, even if you don't say anything, like, your kids are watching. They you. are yeah, like a hawk, right? They are they are looking for any whiff of disapproval of you don't believe in them because so much of what you 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 like your opinions about this the their college list intentional or not, and I think most of the time it's not intentional. Your kids are going right. to interpret it as, well, you don't believe in me. You don't think I can do it. You think um, this school is, and and this doesn't just happen, this happens within their friend groups, right? Like a kid will say, oh, I'm applying to X college. And a friend will be like, oh, that's one of my likelies. You know, like the judgment (laughs) that surrounds college lists and applying to college is really frightening. So I would be very conscious of the conversations that you're having with your kids and your friends around this process because your kids are watching and they're paying really close attention. I, it's very, I mean, I, again, I think you said it, it's, it's, it's almost never on purpose. It's, it's almost, you know, I think unconsciously done, but as a college counselor, as an, you know, as, as an administrator for a long time in schools, it was always one of the more heartbreaking moments when I'm, you know, sitting with a student and they're, they really believe that their value, their sort of intrinsic sense of worthiness is attached to, to where they go to college. And if that's at, so we need to actively be kind of counterculture and parents, college counselors, everyone needs to work really hard to make sure that one sense of worthiness is not inexorably linked to the proper noun college you matriculate to. And I think sometimes parents you know, with those opinions, with the comparisons to like, oh, well, my, you know, to their cousin, I get that a lot. Um, you're unwittingly sending a message that you think your kid will be somehow more worthy or more valuable or more important if they go to X school instead of Y school. So just, just know that that happens. It happens to the very best of parents who are operating with the very best of intentions, but just, it's something to like be super mindful of. Yeah. I'm yeah, wondering, um, Kathy, what about, so those are some do's. Yeah. Can I share one of my favorite don'ts? Yeah, do it. We kind of shared, we kind of shared it earlier, uh, in my story, but I, this happens all the time. So <laughs> don't apply to more reaches believing that doing so will get you into one of them. That is actually not mathematically how statistics work. 
So the more reaches you apply to does not increase the chances of getting into one of those reaches. So I would say that for me is one of my biggest don'ts when thinking about building a list. Um, What about you, Kathy? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think we see this so much, especially again, with the uh, population of students and families that we work with. Uh, kids are always, almost always top heavy on their lists. Mm-hmm. And and there are times that I think it's appropriate and it makes sense for a student. Yeah. But if somebody's giving you feedback that yeah. your list is too top, top heavy, like I would absolutely listen to that. And, you know, I think that the statistics point cannot be said enough times because I don't, I, I don't understand math, but I do understand admissions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually know how statistics works. Let's be honest. Um, I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bad Asian. I don't know. I really like have to, I had to use math. I had to, <laughs> this is a really funny story. I was baking cookies, you know, yeah. I, you know it's the holidays. Baking, baking cookies, fiend. right? So I was like, I'm baking. So I figured out that one cup of, one cup of flour mm-hmm. is 120 grams. I'm like, okay, 120 grams. And I was like, I have, I need two cups. I'm like, okay, 240 grams. And I'm like, but I have to divide the recipe by two. And I was like, what's 240 divided by two? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) I was like, literally what's happening to your brain right now? Oh my God. It was really, it was really upsetting. Like I was pulling, (laughs) I was about to pull out my calculator to be like, wait, Two? Do I need to divide two? Right? Oh, it's like it's wait, okay. two forty. It was very it's confusing. Okay. So, I know. I know. That's very. Thank you. That's very funny. <laughs> that's very. So very funny. my point is, like, I don't actually understand math, right. and if you don't understand but math, that's we okay. We understand admissions. But the point is, yeah, we understand admissions, and the point is, applying to more schools does more reach schools does not mean that you're going to get into a reach, right? And if you hear stories like. I think some of it is also prompted by like you hear other people like it worked for my neighbor, <laughs> right? Like oh, any so my my best friend's colleague, right? Exactly. Any my best friend starts with I heard that. I'm instantly my, yeah. my my radar is instantly activated. I'm like, oh, here we go. What did you hear? Right, the antenna are like buzzing. You're like, uh, what's going on? But you know, I, I think you've got to be real. And this is so much of what happens in college admissions, and it's not just doesn't just have to do with the list, but it does start with the list. Right. And sometimes I think you can get good advice. Like your friend goes to see, takes their kid on a college tour and mm-hmm. they see a likely school that they are like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. I never heard of the school. And you know what? We actually really think it was awesome. And then you're like, Oh, open-minded. Right. Because you know, we live in a society built on referrals. So you just got a referral, right? So you're just like, oh, okay. Like my friend just said that they like that thing. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. And so now you're open to it or you have like a college is totally off the list until you're like, oh, actually your best friend on the lacrosse team went there. And then now all of a sudden it's legitimate. And that's true for kids too. So we see that in schools. Like I remember, I mean, I've been working in college admissions for a long time. And I remember back in the day, I know this sounds ridiculous. It it sounds ridiculous when I say it, but I remember back in the day, I recommended Middlebury to a kid and the family was like, what's that? Oh, I totally feel this. I totally (laughs) feel this. There are schools (laughs) I used to recommend as likelies that have now migrated to far reach. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Wash you. I mean, Tulane. <laughs> Tulane. I was just going to say Tulane. Middlebury. Like some of these schools, I'm just like, geez, Louise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but just remember that too. Like when I went to USC, sorry, Meredith, I'm older than you, but when I went to USC in 1993, they were like, do you have a pulse? Can you fog up this mirror? Okay, come on. <laughs> because I had like a sub 3.0 GPA and definitely had D's and F's in my transcripts. And you know what? I got into, let me just tell you for a minute. Let me just age myself real quick. 1993, I got into with my sub 3.0 GPA, D's and F's on my transcript. I'm not sure I finished pre-calculus to be perfectly honest. I think I failed it. And I got into USC, NYU, and BU. Those are the three out-of-state schools I applied to, and I got into all three of them. I'm just saying, (laughs) things have changed. Yep. You can't get into NYU now with, like, USC. Like, you know, I couldn't even, I can't even sniff USC (laughs) from where I was Well, let's just watch our degrees appreciate while they're hanging on the wall. Um, Well, and just, that can happen to your kids' college list, too, right? Like, uh, likely now, like... They could absolutely all of a sudden just like that. It's like buying a really great stock. You're like, oh, my God, look at this amazing investment we made. And now this school is getting all sorts of attention. Well, I think the other thing that this reminds me of is it sort of begs the question to me of like, what data are we using to make decisions about a list? And one of the the don'ts is when it comes to using data is don't use rankings. Rankings are so dumb. (laughs) They're so (laughs) They're wait. so dumb. And here's how, wait, wait, wait. How do we feel about rankings? <laughs> so I love that we're just like, you know what? They're so stupid because they are stupid. They're dumb. Stop looking at them, people. Okay. Apart from just like our opinion and all of the ways that Kathy and I feel it does psychological damage to developing adolescence, there's that. Let me tell you why I actually yes. think they're dumb. Thank you, Meredith. If you actually learn the methodology of what constitutes the calculation for rankings of like U.S. News and World Report. Those sort of factors that they use to kind of come up with this arbitrary ranking have almost nothing to do with the actual quality of the undergraduate experience for an 18-year-old. It's things like, you know, percentage of gifts over X dot. Like, it's just not a series of metrics that's meaningful to this process, if you want your kid, if part of why you want your kid to go to college is so that they can learn and grow and, you know, do some adulting 101, learn about their, discover passions, grow themselves intellectually, emotionally, become like an adult human who functions in the world in a nice way. Don't pay attention to rankings. (laughs) You know, like it's gotta be about more substantive uh, factors than that. And so when you're noticing yourself paying attention to that, you really got to pull up because it's just, I have never, and I, I rarely use always and never. Um, I've had a lot of therapy and been conditioned not to use those kinds of absolutes, but (laughs) I would, I've never (laughs) seen that work out well. And I'm, I'm working with a student right now, actually. This is a great example. I am working with a student right now who is a freshman at a university. I will not say the name of the university, lest I pollute the waters of perception. And they are miserable. And they are miserable because they chose this school 
for all of the wrong reasons. They went to a very highly selective, competitive high school in Los Angeles, and they are so unhappy. The school itself, objectively, wonderful place, wonderful education. But because they chose a school Mm -hmm. that wasn't a good fit for them, they are Mm -hmm. not having a meaningful educational Mm -hmm. experience. She is not learning. She is not engaged. Her self-esteem is suffering. And so we're in conversations about transferring. So think about that, you Mm -hmm. know, and she, and she, because she picked Mm -hmm. schools for all the wrong reasons. And to her credit, she understands that now she's matured. She's grown. She's approaching the process in a, you know, 180 degrees different than she did before when she was in high school. I didn't work with her in high school. And, you know, so it's interesting to think about it. So don't pay attention to rankings because we think they're dumb. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I have so many stories like that too. Like we could probably, you and I could both like think about all the very high achieving kids we know who've chosen colleges because they were chasing prestige and then ended up being really unhappy and wanting to transfer to a really different place. Right. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I want to like remind parents to like, I, it reminds me of a story that of a parent, like a few years ago who called me and was like, Hey, um, what do you think about Stanford for my kid? <laughs> and their, kids were, their, kids were in, their, their kid was in 10th grade at the time. 3.8% admit yeah, rate. Yeah. Tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny. I think it's less than that now. Probably. So I was like, uh, okay. So they had a 10th grader and I was like, why? What? Um, yeah. <laughs> and not a 10th yeah. grader. grader. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And I was like, well, in order to be really competitive for Stanford, your, your child would need to be doing a lot of things really differently. Like tomorrow, <laughs> like actually two years ago, but you know, is that really the life that you want for your kid? Because they would need to just the balance in their life that they enjoy right now is going to go away. Like that's just and not going to exist the life for them that, anymore. That child wants for themselves. Right. Exactly. Totally. And and so this parent was like, was like, no, you know what? You're right. This is about me. It's yeah. about my ego and it's about my vanity. Yeah. Right. And that's all I needed yep. to hear. Thank you. And I was like, oh, look at that. And, but this is such a hard oh, thing good. to fight. You know, and I think it's important to remember that that vanity kind of prestige, like will rear mm-hmm, its ugly head mm-hmm. and you will, you will want your kid's college. It's not worth it. College, the name of the college they, that they go to be a reflection of you and your parenting. And it just isn't. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a referendum on parenting where your kid goes to college and play the long game parents. You know, I've never met a parent who says, when you really ask in a pointed way who says, yeah, I'd rather have my kid be miserable at a college they hate, but the proper noun we think is, makes me happy. I've never heard a a parent who really wants that. They think that going to X college equals success equals happiness. And that kind of, that is such a fallacy that requires, um, much more objectivity and skepticism. And we only, um, the other thing I wanted to say, I was just going to say the, uh, the only oh, reason ahead. we say that is because we see it, 
right? We have such a large sample size of kids that we've All worked with. Like this is not All a made up thing. Like we see it over and over again. And that's why we're like banging the drum on this because we see unhappy kids. We see unhappy families go through this process and then it just drags out, right? Cause it's not yeah. done after senior year. Then they're miserable freshman year, then the miserable sophomore year. Then they look to transfer it. Like it just drags everything out and it's, it's not what anybody wants. So we're just, we're banging the drum because we've seen it, seen it happen. And we're, we don't want you to walk that path. And I think, I think, you know, we've talked a lot in this episode about the pitfalls to avoid and the ways that it can really, if, if approached in the wrong way, can, can actually do real damage, you know, sort of psycho psychologically to students. But I also want to say that the opposite is also true that when students, you know, college is also such a wonderful time for students to grow and stretch and develop and come into their own and understand themselves on a deeper level. And that prospect of landing themselves in an environment that gives them greater independence and greater opportunity to kind of really understand who they want to be in the world as young adults is exciting. And so keep the focus on the growth possibilities of going to college and, and why that's so important. And, you know, we see that students who do that, they have fun in the process. Like the process also can be fun if you listen to everything we just said in this podcast. <laughs> Bottom line, you should listen to us because we know what we're talking about. Bottom okay. line. <laughs> and you know what I'm thinking, Kathy, what we need to do is we probably need to do a part two of this episode where we talk a little bit more brass tacks, like how big should a list be? You know, what, what, when we say reach, what do we mean by that word? Yeah. Um, so, so I think sort of stay tuned for, for more because this topic is so important and obviously Kathy and I have some feelings about it. <laughs> yeah. I bit. think that's a great idea. <laughs> we'll do part do. And you know, it, for a lot of, for a lot of kids, this is like the very first step in starting their college process. Right. So it is a really important step and that's yeah. why we're putting. It's really important. So as with. Uh, almost all of our conversations between Kathy and myself, they usually end up at some point coming down to a conversation about food and what we like to eat. Um, now I understand. It's funny because I had a lot of baked goods that Kathy made this past weekend. She had a brunch um, and you seem to get the ratios right with that. But I, I am curious from a food question. I often think about this. My boyfriend asked this of me the other day. Uh, as I was scarfing down an avocado, he said, uh, if I could only bring like three sort of food staples with me on like a vacation, and that was like the only thing I could eat, what would I bring? And he knew that but I would like, say what avocado. what do you mean by staples? No, I don't mean like <laughs> flour. Like I mean something that's actually like you oh, can yeah. eat. Okay. I don't mean okay. like you're... I'm like, what do you mean by staple? <laughs> yeah. I don't mean like whey protein. <laughs> Food, food <laughs> items. Okay, okay. Uh, eggs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a carbohydrate, bread, or a tortilla. Mm -hmm, Interchangeable. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> okay. To the Mexican, they are not. <laughs> I would obviously choose uh, a tortilla. I, you would choose a tortilla. Oh, yes. Have a strong fondness for tortillas because Chinese people also have tortillas. We mm -hmm. call them bing, but it's basically a tortilla. Mm -hmm. And in the frozen the section food. at 99 Ranch, it is the perfect. It's perfect. I love things wrapped in tortilla. <laughs> so, like, if you think of mushu, like, mushu yeah. is literally wrapped in a Chinese tortilla. Like, that's mm -hmm. Chinese tortilla. Okay. 
And if you go to the Chinese supermarket in the freezer section, you will find literally they're frozen tortillas. We call them, we don't call them tortillas, but when you go get it at uh, the Mexican market, Mexican supermarket, it's same, same, same. We're all the same, basically. Okay, the third one. Mm, this is very hard. Egg? A staple like what? tortilla. Wait, am I am I on a desert island? Where am I? <laughs> Where am I on vacation? What's happening? Like, what's my what's my situation here? Like, do uh, I do I need to worry iso- about? You're what? in an isolated place, but you can cook. You've got like you know salt. You've got like the things you need to make a thing. Oh, uh, okay. I could. Oh, uh, probably spinach. <laughs> Oh my god! That was not what I was expecting. I was like feeling you with eggs, feeling you with tortillas. I'm like spinach. Okay, girl, you can't. You made fun of me for my kale and spinach. Kale, kale is toxic. Spinach is not. I put spinach in literally everything I can put spinach in because it is one way I know I can get my vitamins and my greens and I, you know, it shrinks down. So I just put in a giant handful in like everything I eat. What's the weirdest spinach vehicle like that you've done? Like what is the, the item that you've added oh. spinach to that is strange to, that would be strange to other people? I put spinach all the time in my spaghetti and I put spinach all the time in my um, curry. So like oh, if I make an Indian yeah. curry, I'll throw spinach in there. Love it. I don't know if it's weird. No, but I think that's I, normal. I do it. I put it in my, I put it in my, I put it in my instant ramen. Like if I'm having like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some shin ramen, I'll throw a big old handful of spinach in there. I'm like, see, now it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, you're right. That's what makes ramen healthy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, hot ramen <laughs> is now healthy because I put a handful it's of spinach in it. Health. There's green. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, anyways. Well, that's good to that know. Fun. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. fun. Yours is avocado, right? Ava- you want to do yours quickly? Oh, I mean, I think if I did mine, I think I would also choose tortillas because it is, in fact, the perfect food. Um, I would yeah. probably pick an avocado. Eggs was a good one. I might have to go with eggs because then I feel like you've got all the things. You got some vegetables, you got some vitamins, you got some protein. And protein. You got See? something that could be a little salty. So mm-hmm. wait a minute. We have the exact same thing except for you swapped out spinach for avocado. Okay. It's not that different. <laughs> uh, no, it's not that different. And this is part of why we get along so well for so many years. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's okay, our next thing. Everybody. We're going to do a food well, blog. Yeah. All right. We're- Building a good list. <laughs> Yes, we'll do, we'll, I hope we'll do more we'll do, on building a good we'll list. More. Um, and we'll put it, there's a really good book I want to plug. Uh, mm. David Brooks, if you're familiar with him, has a book called Where You Go. No, uh, Where You Go is Not Who You'll Be. Is you are. Did I say it right? Oh, <laughs> you say it. I think so. I think that's what it is. Where is you it go you, is not who is, you are. I think it's who you are. Why are we having we're having such a hard time with this right now. Whatever, we'll put I, it. We'll I put haven't it. had breakfast. We'll, I have not we'll had tortillas, eggs, <laughs> or avocados this morning. We'll link it. We'll link no, it. We'll link where it. Where you go is not who you'll be. You'll said it right. Yeah, you where you right. go, I tell was right. All right. Uh, it's a really good book. So, anyways, uh, signing cool. off for now, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. 
You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteam.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteam.com.